is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. All right, everybody, welcome to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And on today's episode, I have got my my friend and client, Dan Callies from Oak Creek Plumbing. Dan is a very cool guy, very, very smart, runs a, a great business. We're going to learn about, about his business here in a few minutes. Um, what's unique about his business is that he's got a service business and a remodeling business kind of under the same roof. So I want to talk to him a little bit about that and uh, see how all of that works. So Dan, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks, Brian. Definitely appreciate the the time and a, and a vote of confidence for, for actually calling me and trying to get some insight. <laughs> so yeah, so let's see. Uh, let's see what insight you will share. I have heard you before. Sure. Uh, sharing your uh, your wisdom, so um, I'm very confident uh, that we're yeah, going to get some yeah. good stuff here. So, hey okay. Dan, let's let's start off with give everybody kind of the two minute story on your business. Sure, fair enough, and and it's a, a family owned business. I'm second generation in the company. Uh, my my folks did started in '72. Um, basically, uh, again, a plumbing company. My my dad was you know, new construction, and, and that's really where the main focus was. Then the '80s kind of came along when interest rates went up to the, the 18 percent, and the, the builders that he was working for kind of went away. So he just said, "Hey, I got to put food on my family's table somehow." So he just expanded or just took on anything that came his way. So he really became more of he'll do new a new house one day. He'll be on service repair the next day. Uh, the next day he'll work for another remodeling company or and just doing plumbing for whatever however it, it came about. It, at, at one point my dad had seven plumbers working for him and basically had to let them all go just because of, just the work went away. Uh, but my dad persevered and he had a lot of persistence to, to keep things going, picked up what he could. He had some unique things going at that point. It kind of had his time. He actually even had a showroom that he developed, or basically a, a part center with some other showroom items that he, he had a real re- retail establishment that he uh, opened up as well that helped bring in some other money as well. At that point, my mom got into the business, and between the two of them, uh, uh, they were you know, running business and doing what they can. Um, then in the 84, I uh, graduated from high school, and I'm like, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I, thought, if I'm, if I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll, all right, I'm going to try this plumbing thing. Uh, so I got into the apprenticeship, and it was a tough little thing for me to, to adapt for, for a period of time. About a year, I, I just wasn't grooving on it. I'm like, ah, a plumber. Then something clicked. And I don't know what it was. When I was going through my apprenticeship, I was a guy in the back of the class, kind of disengaged, and you're not really asking questions. And, and something clicked. Uh, um, it said, you know what? I, I just started picking up the code book, and I just started reading it. And it's just like, oh, all right, this is cool. I was the guy in the back of the class. Now I'm the guy in the front of the class asking questions, and answering questions, and interpreting things, and challenging things. And I just – I really became a student of plumbing. I, and, I, again, I – there's no secret sauce that that occurred. It just happened. So were you actually out in the field as a plumber at the beginning? 
Um, I was working with my dad, and my dad was my my instructor, my mentor, and so. And I really didn't touch plumbing when I was in high school growing up. I really didn't get into the business till I graduated from high school, and about yeah. a year after. But you were um, actually out in the field as a plumber. As a plumber, working yeah, as apprentice for my dad. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So uh, um, at that point, it was just actually just my dad and myself and my mom was the company. Um, and again, we're taking anything that we can. And, you know, we did all right. You know, we were able to put food on the family. We put, put a little bit of profit in and it was, it was a cool thing. Um, then my dad was out in California visiting my brother um, and he went to the swap meet and he saw this thing called a tub liner. It was a it was acrylic tub that went over existing tub. And he had acrylic walls that went over existing walls. He's like, wow, that's kind of cool. So he got the company's name. When he came back to, to town here, he called them up. And he said, well, and that company manufacturer was out in Arizona. They said, you know what, that's a little far. There's actually a closer manufacturer to you down in Chicago yeah, called Luxury Bath System. So we developed a relationship with them. And also now I became a plumber and I became a, a tub liner <laughs> installer. Um, again, we had to do everything that was, you know, we wore every hat. So that's, uh, I was out in the field one day doing plumbing. The next day I was uh, putting tub liners in. Um, but I, I, again, they're all challenges. I enjoyed them all, but I also knew that I wanted something a little bit more than just every day. Uh, I love working with my hands, but I knew I, I wanted something bigger than what, what was just working with my hands. And, um, so over the years, my, my folks have, uh, um, they, they allowed me to go to different uh, uh, seminars, courses, uh, events. Uh, the PHCC has been a big part of helping me learn the craft of the business part of the, the plumbing uh, uh, industry. Um, so I, they gave me some really good roots on, on just some concepts of how to, to operate a business. What is the business? What does the business look like? today so i know you've got the sure. service side of the business how many how many trucks do you have on the service side sure right, right. now we're running eight, eight eight trucks on the on the service side cool and then again i think what makes you kind of unique is you also have a remodeling correct vision i guess you you would yep. call it because it's under the same essentially under the same roof what do you do on the remodeling side Sure. And when we brought the tub liners in, that was the acrylic tub liners and wall system, that kind of opened the door for remodeling. Since we were looking at this wet location, we were kind of focused on that. But we were like, well, since we're here, we must put a new toilet and put a new vanity in. Well, we can do the flooring, too. We can do. So we really um, that kind of um, that's how the birth of remodeling became into Oak Creek Plumbing. Uh, we even rebranded, re-identified our company a little bit by calling ourselves Oak Creek Plumbing Kitchen and Bath. Um, so we have actually even grown outside of just bathrooms to doing complete kitchen remodels. And so that has really, really grown into its actual own division within our company. So we have a demand service and repair division, and then we have a complete kitchen and bathroom remodel division. Um, got about 3,000 square foot showroom. Um, we have our, our um, on staff uh, consultants, uh, sales. Uh, we do have uh, some of our carpenters on staff. We'll take a lot of the, the project in-house, but we will sub out some of the specialty items as far as the, the electrical or there's some the other design or other things that we need to bring in. Specialty contractors will bring some horsepower in on that side. Cool. Which side of the business do you like better? And that's a great question because in, in heart, I'm a master plumber. I mean, I went through the apprenticeship, but the funny part is I love business. 
more so. It, it, it almost got to the point, it doesn't matter what we're doing, just the business aspect of it um, is, is really in my heart. So if one would go away, I, I, I don't have a favorite child. You know, it's like, hey, they both mean so much to me. So it's interesting what you just said. And that's, and again, that's part of what makes you successful is you, this is business. You, you like that it's business. It doesn't matter so much that it's service or remodeling. Business is business. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Because something happened along the way that got you to think less of yourself as okay, I'm just, I'm a plumber and I'm going to go out and fix stuff all day to uh, what I really am as a businessman and I'm going to build business. So can you pinpoint like when did that kind of happen for you and what did that look like? Yeah. And, you know, kind of jogging the memories back. And I remember there's two people early in my career that just resonated with me. And and one was Maurice Mayo um, out of San Diego. And he had a system for his, it was a service plumbing business, but he had a system for what he developed. And it was just, it, it just was like, holy cow, this, my eyes just opened up and said, this is work on your business, not in your business mentality. And um, another guy was uh, Tom Grandy from Grandy Associates out of Arkansas, just a great business consultant and really as far as the, the numbers part of the business and, and the financial part of it really opened up my eyes and saying, Hey, okay, this is how, this is how you should charge for this. This is how you should put these numbers together. You know, this is how you, you know, morph into those, those profits and, and, and that you need to operate your business. So between those two guys, I think gave me the foundation really to open up, to explore other things. Of course, then looking at the Michael Gerber, the E-Myth, it was another mind blower saying, Holy cow, this is, this is the roadmap. And then the council's other seminars, other books. I'm an avid uh, book. You know, I wouldn't say I'm a book reader. I'm a book listener, probably more so than a reader. Um, um, but I'm constantly looking at some different ways of, of approaching business and looking at the numbers, looking at the management side of it, looking at the marketing side of it. What was the toughest thing for you to do when you came to this realization that, hey, it's business, it's about systems. What was the toughest thing that you came up against to switch? Because you basically have to make a switch. You got to switch from Mm -hmm. thinking like a plumber to thinking like an entrepreneur, to thinking like a business owner. And what was your your big challenge when that started to happen? You know, and that, that's another really good question. And looking back of what I did and looking now, the way I did it was probably pretty stupid. I was probably stupid enough to be successful because I took a little bit of blind faith. I took, I made, I made some decisions that worked well that a normal person wouldn't have made because there's so much risk there. Like um, part of it was getting out of the, let's say getting out of the truck and just making that transition from in the truck to tomorrow I'm not, out the truck. And I really didn't run the numbers when I did that. I said, well, today I'm just not going to be in the truck. I'm going to have someone else do this. I really didn't plan it as well as I could have. My contention, maybe if I would have overthought it, I probably never would have gotten out of the truck. Yes, um, that's true. It's very true. Can I, Dan, I'm sorry to cut you off because this yeah. is really good, but I yeah. just want to make a comment to the listener. So Dan just used a term um, that we use a lot and it's called getting out of the truck. 
and it's in service-based businesses. Um, they call it getting out of the truck. When I had a carpet cleaning business, it was for me, it was getting out of the truck. However, if you are in, so a lot of our listeners, Dan, you know, they sell windows, they sell roofing, they sell siding, one day bath. And, and, and what happens is what holds them back is their version of getting out of the truck. And for a lot of people, it's the sales process that they are the yeah. salesman for their business. And so whenever Dan is talking about getting out of the truck, the equivalent for you, the owner of a company that is doing windows or roofing or siding is the equivalent for that is you not being the lead salesperson or, a, you know, a big contributor um, in, in sales. It's letting, bringing in systems and processes and people to run that so that you can get off the truck and go to be in the office and really work on growing the business. So I just, Dan, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, this is not necessarily only a conversation about how to be a successful plumber or to build a plumbing company. What Dan is talking about, these are basic business decisions that you have to make in order to take the business to the next level. Correct. And, and kind of, um, Brian Elias was at the Davey Oho seminars last weekend, and he said, hey, if you're doing a job in your business, you're holding that business back. Mm -hmm. And you got to figure out if, if it's mark if you're doing the marketing person in your business, you got to find someone to do marketing. And I shouldn't say you got to, but you have to be con conscious of the decisions that you're making, that you're what you're doing in your business. What are you not doing to work on your business? And there's just a fine line of you know when do you work in it and when do you work on it. And some sometimes some people have passion. Some people are marketers, and hey, that's their passion. They got to do that. Well, then they got to find someone else to work on their business or in other areas to, to surround them with their with the things that need to get done with the people around them. So, uh, you know, what's interesting is you said you just one day said, OK, I'm not in the truck anymore. I think that's actually a really, really smart move. So you made that decision. So you put somebody else in the truck. Was it hard for you or did you know, OK, I'm not going to go do plumbing eight hours a day because now I know I'm going to go do this for it, you know, whatever the this was to grow the business for eight hours sure. a day. Was that kind of how yeah, it happened? It, it, it kind of how it happened. I mean, of course, you, we need someone to replace me that was in the in the truck. Yep. And again, I think just through this referral of I met a, a plumber who got laid off from another shop. We talked a little bit. Yeah, they sound pretty cool. All right, you're hired. So he kind of came in and it wasn't a really good interview process or anything. He just said, oh, okay. Again, it was probably more of a dumb luck that he ended up being a good good fit for our company. And then he knew someone else. Okay, so we brought another person, another person in. And it's just how it kind of the referral process of just bringing people into for those billable hours uh, kind of just came came along. It wasn't. I mean, it was a vision. It was a dream, but there wasn't a. It wasn't a written plan of saying I'm going to be you know at six million dollars by this date at all. I mean, it, it was it was definitely just a, a normal evolution of 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 a process business. So it's funny. It sounds like you kind of you grew the business kind of organically, but at the same time, in order to bring these people on, it. it the phone doesn't magically ring. So were you Correct. then Correct. getting involved with marketing, uh, making leads, yeah. developing customers? Is that kind of what you were focused on during that time? 
let's stop here and take a quick break. Do you want a steady stream of referrals coming into your business? Do you want a system that gets your customers to come back to you to buy more of your products and services? How about more five-star reviews on the sites that matter like Google, Facebook, and Better Business Bureau? Of course you do. G4 Marketing Group has been doing all of that for home improvement companies just like yours since 2009. Want to see if we can do the same for you? Just go to www.g4marketing.com and schedule a free Wealthy Contractor Strategy Session. That's www.gfourmarketing.com. Now let's get back to this episode. It, it was, and um, I, I Ray Kroc from McDonald's. You know, I, I saw a picture of one on him on a cover of Maggie's. I forgot what it was, but behind it, it said advertise, advertise, advertise. That's, you know, it's kind of like you better advertise. That's, I kind of went out there and I really started branding the company, um, with, by, with radio, with newspaper, uh, we upped our yellow pages. We, we kind of just really try to get the point of, of making us the, the, the known plumber and, and, and tub liner, um, company in the area, uh, did a lot of the home shows, and such. So yeah, a lot of my focus was on those dollars. And I was spending dollars and I'm like, oh, I hope they come back. Um, well, I was going to ask you, where did that money come from? Yeah. in some of it, of course, with the capital, with the, what we brought in, some of it, we, we kind of took money, borrowed it through profits. We we're able to finance some of the marketing. It's kind of a, because we upped our marketing. We almost doubled our marketing dollars uh compared to what my parents were doing and then when i came in and which my parents really have a marketing budget at all also i'm spending um almost a hundred thousand dollars in marketing at that point um yeah it was a it was a scary scary time because we were making this investment not of course the 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 investment always precedes the dividends um so we were making this hoping it's going to come back and just volume of work and obviously you tracked it because otherwise you probably would have gone out of business a long time ago had you not yeah, been yeah. tracking what was working and what wasn't working. Correct. Correct. In those days, it was tough to track, per se. We don't yeah. have the, the tools now that we have uh, with the, the phone monitoring systems and the PPCs and all the, the digital aspects. But back then, we just asked people, you know, hey, where did you get our name from? Um, and we just tried to – it was more – it was a gut feeling with some sort of verification on the backside. It wasn't a great verification, but it was at least some verification. Yeah. And so what, how long ago was that, that you kind of started that transition? Um, I'm going to say probably the late, mid to late nineties. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you've been running this business for a really long time and what do you do now? What do you do now in the business? What's your, your, main role chief cook bottle washer um kind of i guess as a business owner and that's some of the challenges i have every day i come into work i'm like well what am i going to do today you know it's 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 i work in a world of no deadlines and i think we talked a little bit about that yes um, <laughs> you come to work and there's really nothing that's pressing i got to get this done at four o'clock today or i'm done or this is completed. So I have to work, I'm really working on next week, next month, next year, which can be somewhat of a challenge to stay, stay focused on those things. So sometimes these little pet projects come through and we want to 
you know, jump on those things because it gives us a sense of accomplishment. But sometimes we have to work on a little bit more larger, uh, a little bit broader items out there. So it sounds to me like, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me like if you didn't show up to work today, all you guys would go out, they would fix your customers' problems, your other guys would go out and sell stuff and install stuff and bring checks into the business, and the business would pretty much operate if you didn't show up there today or tomorrow. I would agree with that. And it might even run better if I'm not here. Sometimes I get in the way of my stupid. <laughs> have, you <tested> that? <laughs> have you tested that? Let's try this today, guys. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to be gone very I'm much. So. I mean, everyone for a month. That would not be a problem as far as my responsibilities within the company. You know, and I think what's really cool about learning from somebody like you and hearing about this is a, it's not an overnight thing. I mean, obviously Dan's been working at this for for quite some time, but you made some really important decisions and decisions that are not easy to make. And and it almost sounds like you made them easier than a lot of people. You didn't really think it to death and talk yourself out of it. You I, just yeah. said, hey, I got to do this. So that's yeah. it. I'm, off. I'm well, out of the truck. When we did flat rate pricing, when we went bait that transition, it's like, this is what we're doing. It, you know, and I knew there's going to be pushback. I knew there's going to be resistance and, and all these, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. But when we made that transition, now it just becomes our culture within our company that we do upfront pricing. It yeah. just, it's, that's, that's how we do it. And that's the right mean way you? in that business. Yeah. That's the right way to do yeah. it. That's the way you yeah. make, yeah. that's the way you're profitable in a service business is by having flat rate pricing. And yet you still have a lot of people that are doing it the old way just because they're you know, afraid. And, and I'm gonna, yeah. And and I'm going to say flat rate is a culture for us. I don't know if you have to be flat rate to make money. Um, that's the, the the way we chose to. I, I know some yeah. guys doing T&M, they're doing great. You know, they yeah. have a system that they figured out and it's it's just the process and the culture um, that's there. I think it's more for us. I, I like, I know if I was a customer, just give me the price what it's going to be. I don't right. want the surprise at the end. I know some customers want, don't like that. And I get that. I mean, we maybe we're not a good fit for them. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I had a meeting yesterday um, with the owner of a very successful um, roofing company. And I, it was really interesting because we had this conversation about, um, you know, how have you grown the business so much? I mean, he's grown the business pretty dramatically over over these last few years and very much like you. I mean, it's been very it's about system. It's about process. It's about putting the right people in the in the in the right place. And he talked about something that most I'd say 98 percent of companies in his space have a hard time doing. And that is self-generating leads. The salespeople actually may have to make their own leads. And I don't know if you remember, sure. but last week this actually came up yeah. Yeah. Um, at the at the Yoho meeting that you and I were at last week. And in the hallway, there was a conversation with um, with the guy that essentially created that rule in his company, uh, Murray Gross, and me mm -hmm. and a couple of other people. And a really smart guy asked Murray, hey, do you think that that would work today? And Murray said, you know, I think you'd have a really hard time making that work today. And I agreed with it. And then yesterday, there's this guy that that I'm having this meeting with. And his guys are required 
to self-generate leads. And I'm not going to say what the percentages are, but let's just say they're pretty significant. And I asked them, how are you getting them to do that? Because nobody else can get their salespeople to do that. He said, Brian, when they come in, that's just the way that they're taught. This is how we do it here. Right. And so, yeah. and the reason I, I brought that whole thing up is because what you said is, is right. You're going to get some pushback, but you made the decision for us. The right move is to do flat rate pricing. As an example, we could talk about uh, uh, pricing structure, price increases, charging the right price, self-generate, whatever it is. But it's this is how we do it here. So yeah. let's it's go with culture. it. Right. And yep. if it doesn't fit for you, then this is not the right company for you. And you got to let them go. Right. And, and it echoes employees and customers. Right. Sometimes. Yes, you know, it, it you both sides. yes, you're absolutely right. Employees and customers. And I'm sorry, I cut you off, but I just really wanted to make that point because so many people are afraid of the customer. It's like, well, wait a minute. You know, they have to do business the way with you the way that you do business. But there's one person said he probably made more money not working for the people that he shouldn't have yeah. <laughs> than, than trying to be able to provide a service to everyone out there. And, and it's just it, it, too many headaches, too many you know, life's too short to deal with that type of. And, and those customers are for certain companies. I get it. You know, low price leader. We're not. You know, so if, if you're looking for the low price leader out there, that's your deciding factor. Maybe we shouldn't talk any further. That's OK. I wish you the best of luck. Yeah, I think Herb Keller from uh, um, Southwest. Uh, there was an old story out there of a um, a, a woman who uh, always flew first class. Well, Southwest doesn't have first class; they just have you know, general boarding and, and such. She wrote every time she flew Southwest, she'd write Herb a letter. Say, uh, I, this this is wrong. You you do this wrong. This is wrong. You need to do these things. Um, if you don't change these things, I'm I'm never going to fly your your airline again. And wrote her a letter back and said, Hey, we'll miss you. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know it's great and it's just like hey you don't you don't fit our our thing you know, again not you're not a bad person you're not wrong it's just we can't be something that that we're not yeah and that's it, it took many years to for that to dig into and it's because it's scary it's a scary thought because we want all want to be people pleasers and we all want to be that right you know that, that resource but we have to understand you know what there are different levels. That's why you have fast food chains, and that's why you have top line restaurants. People have choices that, that, that they feel best in. And uh, then when you decide what market you want to play in, how do you be the best contractor? How do you be the, the contractor choice to that base of clients? How do you do that? Oh, you know, and asking questions is is part of it. It's just what are you? We survey, we, we ask our customers how we're doing and 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 we, we, we get beat up and then we kind of look at when we do get beat up, well, is this justifiable or is, is this person really have something that we have to change some of our policies and ways on? Um, so we kind of review each time we get a comment, which we're, we're so thankful when, when customers comment and we all we always, of course, want that, you know, grade A five star rating. Um, Cool. Thank you very much for those. But sometimes we learn more for the ones that say, hey, you missed the mark here. Then we have a decision to make. Well, is that a mark we were never aiming for or is that something? Yeah, we got we need to shore this this area up. Yeah. And the customer will let you know if I guess you'll know you're succeeding is by how busy you are. 
<laughs> That's true. That's very true, right? You, you know, right. And then also, you know, how many people, it's one of the key questions out there that we ask is, would you refer us to someone else? And of course, if they say yes or no, and if they, if, if we, if you get too many, and basically if, if, if our complaint rate above 7% uh, on that question, then, then we have a, then we kind of raise it up and said, okay, let's, you know, what's going on here. If it's 5% of, of our, responses come back no i wouldn't recommend you like uh okay i mean we'll still look at them but it's, it's not a we know it's not a culture within our company that has is not evolving to what our clients want yeah but i like that it's seven percent you know that that's your marker yeah. if yeah. you go beyond that that you've got an issue right and yeah and of right. course you know we deal every day with reviews referrals and repeat business and yeah. you're absolutely right. right how do you know it's working it's well we're busy you know <laughs> so how do you know that yeah. Top line, that's, a, that's the easy one right there. Yeah, it, it, we're busy, but also it, it, there's a measure of how many five-star reviews are you getting, how much of your business is coming from your relationship with your customers, referrals, and repeat business. And I know this is something that's important for you. Um, one of the things that I just wanted to point out before I, I forget and we, we are going to start to wrap up here with Dan is I, I, I say this in almost every interview that I do, and that is that success leaves clues. And you got to look for the clues. And throughout this, we're at you know almost 50 episodes of the Wealthy Contractor podcast. And when I talk with people like Dan, and part of the reason why I asked Dan to be here is because I know that he's going to leave you um, a trail. Um, that is the same trail that many of the other people that I've interviewed. And one of the things that was, that's been very clear with Dan, um, if you haven't noticed, I'm going to point them out. He mentioned Ray Kroc, amazing entrepreneur. He mentioned Herb Kelleher, amazing entrepreneur. He mentioned books. He mentioned mentors. He mentioned seminars. Um, Dan did not, feel like, hey, and and yeah, that sounds funny. I'm talking for you and you're right here. Um, but you didn't just say, well, I'm Dan and I got to figure all this out by myself. You actually went out seeking advice and 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 um, help from other people, living, dead, With, yeah. books, live, seminars, audio, whatever. How important is yeah. that to you? Oh my, yeah. You know, it, well, for me, it was a game changer of of learning and being exposed to this information that's out there. I mean, um, I mean, how much time do we spend in our cars a day? And just, I mean, I'm constantly. I, I have Audible. Uh, it's a um, it's an app that goes on the phone, and I'm downloading books. I mean, it's if someone doesn't have Audible, get it. it just get it. And there's the business books that are in there, and and the the, the mind right books. I, I like to call them are are just to get your get your mindset and get your knowledge of the business. It's humongous. And it's, I do not have an MBA. Um, that just wasn't a career path or a choice. Me neither. When I graduated from high school, I, you know what? I'm not a, I was not college bound. Um, you know, do, do I, do I wish I went to college? Yeah, sometimes or maybe I miss the parties that I, you know, <laughs> that would have been cool or, or the, the social environment of college that would bring to you, or even sometimes the networking ability that college can bring you. Maybe I missed out on that part of it. 
but the educational part of it, how I, I think what I've learned is through the books and through exposure and through just always being a student of business uh, and student of, of human behavior. Actually, it's another big one. You have to understand human behavior to, to understand when we're, we're, we're going to draw that line in the sand and saying, hey, this is where we're at with this type of individual or, or the, what, they're, what they're doing or what they're going through. You just have to understand those things to know how to attack them or part ways. But you're right, the, the, the mentors and the, the continuing education, I, the, the people I look up to, they're, they're always constantly talking about other philosophers and other books that they've read. And when they mention a book that they read, then I go get that book. Uh, yep. I, just, uh, I just bought the book. I have it right in front of me right now, the Chuck Gottschall book, Simon Says. Um, just oh, my God. I'm, meaningful life. Yep. I'm reading that book, too. Yeah. How crazy. Yeah. Somebody recommended that book to me uh, about a month ago. So it's just cool. Just, it's just asking questions, always being in, in, um, what do you want to say? Uh, Inquisitive, always asking, always just, you know, why, why this, or this happened? What, what are your thoughts on this? Never the person with the most answers I find with is not normally the person I want to talk to all the time. The person (laughs) who's asking a ton of questions like, wow, that's, Right. Great information from questions. Right. The person that's listening, um, not the one that's talking all the time. Yeah, I like that. Right. Well, Dan, this has been this has been fantastic. Um, Thank you for uh, taking time out of your day to do this. I, I appreciate it. Any you know, one thing I wanted to ask you is. What what's one thing that you know, knowing what you know now, what's one thing you might have done different five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago, yeah. that would have moved you to success faster? That's a great question. I, I don't and I don't know if I have a direct answer. I, I want to say I'm a real business as far as I've made mistakes. I've I've made you know I don't want to come across that it's unicorns and rainbows here. Yeah, we no. still have issues every single day. And, and I don't want to say there's one thing that's going to be a game changer. If someone says that, I, I, they're probably not really being honest with themselves. There's a hundred things that you have to look at. And I know that can be an overwhelming number, but you just got to pick them and, and, and just, hey, today I have a feeling of working on this uh, to change our company. But with that being said, having the figuring out your social awareness, self-awareness, what you're strong at, what you're not strong at, and then surround your people, surround yourself with people around you that fill those gaps is, is so advice. crucial. Yeah, and I, that's great I, advice. It's great advice. Oh, it, one more thing. Yeah, because it, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish your thought. You know what? Now I lost my thought. Thanks a lot. Oh, I, had, I have the shiny object syndrome. So yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, we both have all over the place. We're both competing. Um, yeah. No, one thing I, I wanted to ask you, um, we're, we've gone way over on, on time here, but um, if you don't mind, I like how you refer to certain types of books as called mind right books. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a favorite or a couple favorites 
of mind write books yeah that you could share one writing yeah the one that really stuck out to me and, and that was for some reason self-inflicted i was in a dark place for a period of time and my own demons that are just you know my bad talk within my mind yeah it's a book called uh, um uh leadership and self-deception um a, a great book as far as just putting your mind back into the right mindset and just kind of Putting things in perspective. Um, it's by the um, Arbinger Group. Um, great, great book. I would just, I, in fact, I think I read it. Deception. Yeah, yeah. And they also wrote the, the, the Anatomy of Peace. Um, and then uh, what's the other one they wrote? Um, the Outward Mindset. Um, there's almost, I think, a three book series. They kind of. Uh, go on each other, um, but just they're they they are totally mind right books. Awesome, and they're by the Arbinger the Arbinger Institute. Interesting part, they don't have an um, author because that's their philosophy is this is a this is our group, this is what we do, and then we're gonna we're gonna provide this information not based on one person's perspective. This is a cool a group perspective. Arbinger yeah, really, Institute. Really. I'm going to look that up. Can't, I also have to put a, I also have one more push for QSC, of course. I know some of your past clients are, um, have talked about the QSC. Being, a, being involved in association with other like-minded business people, I think that's yes. humongous as well. You've got to be part of that, whether it be a NARI, which is a National Association of Mali Industry, um, the, the WBA or the, um, the, the Builders Association, Plumbing, the Heating, Cooling Contractors Association. Get involved in those uh, not only what you can get out of it, but what you can give back to it. And then there's some whole other reasons why to be a member. But And also, I wanted to thank you, man. You, you've got giants on your podcast. I, I commend you for the people that you bring in, their perspectives. And if someone's not – someone's got to just take this as part of their vocabulary, their, their um, encyclopedia of, of information and wealth there. So you do a great job, Ryan. Definitely cool. I appreciate that. that. You bring every, every uh, podcast. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, everybody, so uh, there you go. That's Dan Callies. And again, Dan, thank you so much um, for uh, sharing your time and your experiences with us. And um, everybody listening, this is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. And until next time. All right, so that's it for today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a new way? Did it spark an idea or ideas you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. Now, before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. And a favor. I'd really appreciate it if you'd go to iTunes and post a review of this podcast. Let us know how we're doing. The Wealthy Contractor Podcast is brought to you by G4 Marketing Group, where we help contractors of all kinds create customers, keep customers, and multiply their customers and profits. If you're interested in reaching new levels of success for your company, visit www.gfourmarketing.com or just call us at 305 856 
888-888-8788 to schedule your free, no obligation, wealthy contractor strategy session. Now, during this strategy session, we're going to look at eight key performance factors in your business, and we're going to help you uncover opportunities for growth, for leads, for sales, and for profit. And finally, we started the Wealthy Contractor as a resource to help you, the home improvement entrepreneur, regardless of where you are on the wealthy scale, get where you want to go. We want to provide you with the motivation, the confidence, the resources, and the tools so you too can live the life of the Wealthy Contractor. Now, the Wealthy Contractor is a place where it's okay for you to want it all. In fact, it's not only okay, it's encouraged. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskovalsian with G4 Marketing Group.